Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome back, Solar Warrior, to another Tactical Tuesday. These are short-form conversations with subject matter experts designed to give you practical tools, tips, and advice for building your solar business and career. Today, we're going to look at how clean energy hardware startups can tap into incredible resources to help get your ideas off the ground, or even if they're off the ground, into consumers' hands. Try to get through that, the, the valley of death that is often the, the testing period, the, the portion where you take that idea and you find product market fit and you see, does it work? Will people buy it? And often there are programs that many entrepreneurs aren't aware of that can give you, you know, into seven figure sums of money for testing at world-class labs throughout uh, states like California and throughout national labs in the country. We're going to talk about a couple of those programs here on the conversation today. Today's expert guide is Tenley Dahlstrom. Tenley is the director of New Energy Nexus Cal Testbed Initiative, a clean energy testbed ecosystem that provides California-based entrepreneurs access to more than 60 world-class facilities, as I just mentioned. She also supports something we've talked about here on Suncast quite a bit, which is the Department of Energy's America Made Challenges Prize. And uh, she's been involved in the latest rounds, five and six, for the Solar Prize, representing New Energy Nexus as a power connector. And we'll talk a little bit about her work around the Jedi justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion. She also has a whole lot of other experience. So if you hang around till the end of the interview, I am going to unpack a bit more of Tenley and I's shared experience as Peace Corps volunteers and how that influenced a lot of how she thinks about what she wanted to get out of life and how she arrived at creating Caltest Bed from nothing. But first, we're going to dig into the meat and potatoes of how you could benefit from Caltest Bed, especially if you are a California-based company. If this is the kind of thing that really gets your juices flowing, then you're in the right place, especially if you've never listened to Suncast before. I want to first thank you for taking the time out of your busy day. You're giving us the one thing that is non-renewable, and that is your time. Appreciate you for that. If you subscribe to the show, you'll get twice weekly content just like this. Interviews with expert industry leaders and guides, founders, and CEOs of the companies on the front lines of creating our clean energy future. You can check out more than 500 such episodes at mysuncast.com, or you can click subscribe and just start tuning in from now. For now, let's get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, as we tune into another powerful conversation here on Suncast. Tinley, I want to say, first of all, thank you for the work that you're doing and the incredible amount of effort I know goes into supporting the entrepreneurial ecosystem. It's been a long time coming. I've long wanted to dig into kind of how you constructed and created Cal Testbed. So thank you for joining us here on Suncast. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. Tinley, there are a lot of folks who probably have heard of Cal Testbed. I mean, it has become sort of an iconic incubator, as it were, in the California ecosystem, one where there are tons of incubators and accelerators. Can we start at maybe the 30,000 foot level with regards to uh, entrepreneur ecosystem and startup culture? There are tons of resources in, in many different ways where you have to give up 
in some cases, dilutive or non-dilutive equity, or meaning you give up equity in your business for capital. As you started thinking about forming Cal Testbed as a part of New Energy Nexus, where did you see the gap in addressing climate tech? And maybe give us some context around how Cal Testbed started. Cal Testbed was an idea of the California Energy Commission. And what they really started with was that our sibling program, CalSeed, which provides non-dilutive funds to clean energy entrepreneurs at technology readiness level two to four. So really early stage. And that program was started with about $25 million. And at the time, New Energy Nexus was called the California Clean Energy Fund. And so we started really small. There were about 14 people when I started at CalCEF four years ago. And now we are in 10 different countries. We have more than 100 staff. And it's really been exponential growth for us as an organization. So the California Energy Commission determined that the entrepreneurs of California really needed some non-dilutive startup funds And then as these companies were getting that, accessing those funds and growing, they realized the next valley of death was really getting access to world-class testing facilities. It's expensive and sometimes it's walled off from entrepreneurs. They don't have access. They can't get access to those types of equipment. And so the Cal Testbed program started with only 28 facilities And we developed a public-private partnership with the California Energy Commission, New Energy Nexus, and our implementation partners, which are the University of California Office of the President and Lawrence Berkeley National Lab. And those two entities we have an MOU with, and they dedicated between themselves about 28 facilities that would be under the Caltestbed umbrella. We're now up to 73 Um, In our latest count, we've been growing and growing over the last couple of years, and we have a really extraordinary breadth of equipment and facilities that are available to help de-risk clean energy technologies as they accelerate towards commercialization. And the key to the program is really these partnerships with the campuses. We have a UC liaison in place and ombuds people at each of the campuses We work with a multitude of principal investigators, and we now have 40 companies between cohort one and cohort two that are all listed in our directory that have received vouchers through the program. We had a couple of the companies that have gone through the cohort uh, here, featured here on Suncast, namely uh, 12, which was Opus 12 at the time, and uh, most recently Enzinc, uh, Michael Burrs, Mm -hmm. um, one in the cohort too. I mentioned in the lead-in, I think- it might be useful for us to discuss the kinds of companies that you look for and in particular, what requirements are needed. Uh, And it's probably useful to suggest as well early here in the interview that if you are potentially a candidate for Caltestbed and and you're listening to this because you've been thinking about it or maybe you've never heard of it before and you'd like to figure out how to get involved, there are still 10 days left at the time of publishing uh, before the August 19th deadline. We'll get into more details about that, but I want to know, want you to know, oftentimes you'll hear these interviews and it's about things that have happened in the past and you kind of wonder, how can I participate? Well, it's actively opportunity right now to to submit your application, which is one of the reasons that I wanted to have 
Tenley on. Tenley, can you kind of outline the kinds of companies that are applying to Cal Testbed and any minimum requirements that are needed to be able to get into the program? Certainly. The eligibility requirements for Cal Testbed companies are that they be between technology readiness level five to seven. So they have to have a prototype in hand. They have to be either hardware or an integrated hardware software innovation. We are not doing any pure software. And they need to fit within the 10 categories of technology types that we've identified and defined. And all of that information can be found in our application manual that we have online at caltestbed.com. And the companies need to be have an office and a presence in the state of California. They need to be registered as a business entity with the state of California. And we will be checking on that. Is it okay, Tenley, for someone who in the next 10 days decides that they want to do this, they go and register as a business and set up an office in hopes that they would win a position in the Caltest bed? Is that something? Yeah, as, as long as they are registered with the state and have a, an address, a business address in the state of California at the time of application, they would be eligible. And they don't need to be incorporated through the state of California. I know a lot of entities are incorporated through Delaware and, mm-hmm. and other places, but they do need to be registered as an entity within the state. Caltestbed.com is where folks can look to apply. Can you give me a sense of some success stories for folks that want to kind of wrap their head around the impact CalSeed and Caltestbed have had on the overall hardware ecosystem for climate tech in the last few years? Absolutely. CalSeed, our sibling program, has been around for much longer. So they have more than 100 companies that they have supported through their program over, I think, five cohorts now. I think they're going on their sixth cohort. And their next round for applications will be in Q1 of 2023. So keep an eye on that for all of the early stage companies. And then Caltestbed, we have our 40 companies and you've mentioned 12. Just in the last week and a half, we've had so many success stories. It's really, it's stunning. 12 raised $130 million Series B And they announced a partnership with Alaska Airlines and Microsoft, which is just amazing. You also mentioned NZINC. NZINC just was awarded the Keeling Curve Prize. It's an international prize. Three of our companies, Community Energy Labs, Evalo and Takachar, received the Caltech Rocket Fund Awards. And Silvatex just announced that they received an ARPA-E Seed Award. I also had mentioned Takachar, Last year, they won the Earthshot Prize, which was a million-dollar prize, which is just amazing. Um, looking at the success of these companies is really inspiring to me. And that is something that we're trying to capture, that not just the financial, but also the social impact of what they're doing. And one of the things that we did initially, so for our first cohort, we have 25 companies in cohort one. And in less than a year, when we did this survey, in less than a year from them getting Caltestbed awards, they created 137 jobs. They garnered $107.6 million in follow-on funding in less than a year. And it's just really exciting to see. And we're really trying to build an equity in, equity out model for this program as well, where we're reaching out to 
underrepresented communities and trying to make sure that we're reaching everyone, every community in California and welcoming them to apply. Tell me, before I move on to another topic um, that I'm particularly interested in discussing, you mentioned partners. What does partnership look like with regards to Cal Testbed, uh, in particular the regional partnerships that help to serve the, the overall mission? Certainly. I think partnership and really nurturing those partnerships is what helps Cal Testbed succeed in this space. Um, because we were actually told that this program would never work. And we have exceeded everyone's expectations, but it's because of these partnerships. And the California Energy Commission has been very clever in the way that they've cultivated these regional energy innovation cluster partners. And so we work directly with Lacey down in LA, there's Cleantech San Diego, and there's Southern California Energy Innovation Network that they're um working on. We have Activate in the Bay Area, and then we're working with Blue Tech Valley in the Central Valley. And all four of those clusters feed into the statewide programs, which are the CalSeed and then the CalTestBed program. And the CEC convenes us every month to discuss what we're doing, how we can help each other, what's coming up so we can coordinate and collaborate well. For those that want to consider applying to Cal Testbed, we want to reiterate that the application is open through August 19th at midnight. You can apply at caltestbed.com. Tell me anything else with regards to Cal Testbed that you would uh, outline as a call to action? I just am very excited to see the diversity of the innovations and the diversity of the innovators. I'd like to see a really uh, wide swath of people across the state who are interested in the program. Have you been curious about utility scale storage? SunGrow's revolutionary liquid cooled solution is revolutionizing the storage landscape. It's built in DC to DC coupling combined with other features like higher energy density and 3% slower battery degradation make it a robust solution that companies nationwide are choosing. You can learn more about this innovative solution by SunGrow by visiting mysuncast.com forward slash SunGrow. Hey, pardon the interruption, but I wanted to just let you know how much of an impact you have on SunCast. Yeah, you. Thank you for clicking play. Without you, this show is just me shouting into the void. But there's still people who don't even know about SunCast. I know. I can hardly believe it myself, <laughs> but that's where you can help me yet again. There's a simple way that you can show some love and help others discover the show. If you cruise over to www.ratethispodcast.com forward slash suncast, I'd love it if you would leave a five-star rating and enthusiastic review. That's possibly the single kindest thing that you could do for me today. So if the show has helped, inspired, or even entertained you at all. I'd love it if you would head over to ratethispodcast.com forward slash suncast and give me a virtual two thumbs up. All right, back to today's episode. Tinley, as I mentioned in the lead-in, you have been involved in a program that uh, here on Suncast, we got to feature the very first winners of the America Made Solar Prize uh, back in 20. 
19. Uh, and now we're in, I think, cohort six, maybe cohort seven. I can't, I, I lose track of the numbers, but I know that you are actively tracking it. Can you talk a bit about your involvement in the American Made Solar Prize and particularly why you joined that initiative on top of the work you're already doing with New Energy Nexus? Certainly. Part of how I got involved is that I was nominated and selected to serve as a Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion Advisory Committee member. And I think there were eight of us that provided feedback to the DOE and NREL on their outreach and marketing because they are really making a huge push to reach everyone in the United States, all communities, lots of women, BIPOC communities. They they really want to make sure everyone knows that they're welcome in this solar and clean energy revolution that we're we're trying to have right now in the country so that we're transitioning to 100% clean energy. So I ended up being a power connector and this provides a little bit of funding for me. And then it also gives me an opportunity to incorporate the justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion principles into the prize. And that is something that they've been focusing on is providing an additional JEDI prize since the solar round five. And it was split between hardware and software. And I was working just on the JEDI prize pilot with the software companies in the last round. And now in round six, they have the hardware and software together and there is a Jedi prize that's available to all of the applicants. I love there's a Jedi prize. That's so fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I've been involved in, in those kinds of activities. I think my first publication was about cultural diversity in the workplace when I, in the 90s when I was in grad school. And it's been something I've been very passionate about and very interested in for my entire career. Tinley, similar to Caltespa, can you outline for us that what's at stake for folks that enter into this American-Made Solar Prize, for folks who've never heard of it before until now? Well, the American-Made Solar Prize is actually a terrific opportunity for solar companies that are looking to accelerate. The prize is a very, very little lift on the, on the part of the applicant. They don't have to do a bunch of reporting. It is non-dilutive funding that comes into them. And it gives them a lot of exposure as well to a lot of U.S. Department of Energy folks and others who are helping them with their pitches and providing coaching and counseling as they go through this application process. And there's three rounds. There's a ready, set, and a go stage. And there's millions of dollars of prize money that's available for both hardware and software innovators. $3 million in cash prizes and $900,000 in vouchers that can be used at national labs. And for those who want to see what's how this is happening, uh, how it's going on, you can search American Made Solar Prize. You can go to HeroX.com and see uh, the, the previous rounds and the winners. Right now, we're in round five. Is it going to be the same as in 2019? They're going to announce the winners of the go round at uh, RE Plus in Anaheim? I'm not exactly sure where they're announcing the winners. I know round five is at the tail end. We're at go, but the solar prize round six is actually open for applications right now as well. And those applications are open until October 6th. Well, for those... I believe there's going to be some sort of... I mean, there has been in the past, there'll be some sort of activity around the current round five go round at um, the RE plus 
conference in Anaheim in September. And for anyone who is interested in this, I, I would like to enunciate that one of the first go round winners was a company that wasn't a company. They literally formed the business to join into this, to, to, to enter into the, the prize and, um, and to see if they could get funding. So unlike the ready level that you have to be at to join Cal Testbed, there are dozens of companies that have entered into the American Made Solar Prize rounds with simply a business plan on paper and have been awarded cash prizes to try and get that business plan off the kitchen table and into a lab. And uh, that is one of the things that most inspires me. One of the things that you and I discussed earlier, Tenley, that I want to bring up here is also something that you were involved in as a part of the Jedi Advisor Council, and that is sort of a, a branding effort for the American Made Solar Prize called Be Revolutionary. Can you talk a bit about that process of being in that uh, sort of being in the room as that commercial, as it were, was being was being created? Absolutely. Um, that marketing effort. That's partly why they brought together this advisory committee, the Jedi Advisory Committee, was to provide a broad perspective and feedback on the marketing that the U.S. Department of Energy and NREL were putting out regarding the American-made challenges. And the American-made challenges is not just solar. There's a host of prize opportunities for all sorts of technologies. So I would encourage everyone to take a look at that HeroX website for the solar prize, but also for a, a whole host of other technology areas as well. And so what we did is we provided feedback to the DOE folks and the marketing people that they brought in. And their first kind of idea was something that didn't resonate as much with the group. And we provided a lot of feedback, which reshaped the focus of that be revolutionary commercial that they they put together, which now resonates with me very similarly to that toughest job you'll ever love commercial from the Peace Corps. That's what I was going for, is um, providing feedback that would be inspiring, that would ask people to join us on this journey, on this quest for us to transition to 100% clean energy for 100% of the people not just for people who can afford it, but for everyone to provide job opportunities, to provide health benefits to communities across the country. It really is a geometric impact that this clean energy transition has on every sector. And so it's just really thrilling for me that I was nominated and selected to be part of that uh, advisory group. I want to dig into a few things here that uh, can can we can kind of unpack. But before I do that, I want to just encourage folks, if you've been listening and as we discussed with Cal Testbed, you are now interested in the American Made Solar Prize. You know, the purpose of this Tactical Tuesday is to allow you to become aware of and gain access to non-dilutive capital that can help you get your your real products into the hands of real labs and, and test uh, for, with real customers. So if you want to learn more about American Made Solar Prize round six applications are currently open through October 6th. You can go to herox, H-E-R-O-X dot com forward slash solar prize round six. We'll link to that in the show notes. Tenley, you brought up a couple of things that I really want to unpack a little bit more of Suncast traditional interview style in terms of who you are and why Cal Testbed is so meaningful for the work that you have always pursued in your career. One of the things that I find fascinating I love when I get a chance to to connect with 
fellow Return Peace Corps volunteers. At what point did you realize that you wanted to do Peace Corps? Well, I think I was about five or six when I saw that initial toughest job you'll ever love commercial and something clicked in my head and I said, that's what I'm doing. And it really guided every decision I made from that point on to the languages I studied in high school and the degrees that I got at university. And it really was my, you know, North Star in terms of determining the direction of my life. And it was challenging because I had an injury that kept me from going where I was initially supposed to go. And I, I really had to per- persevere to have the opportunity, but it was worth it. Wow. Uh, the, uh, the toughest job you'll ever love, uh, I think debuted in the mid eighties back when the Peace Corps was really getting, uh, ramped up. And, uh, I, I don't know that I ever saw that, that, that commercial in the same way that you did. And I love that you tied it back, not just to your mission in life, but also to your guiding principle, even later as a communications uh, expert on how our current, our current department of energy can tie, can tag in and like really uh, connect in the way that the Peace Corps did with you connect with the current generation that is on the front lines to do something very hard, but that has meaning. My understanding is when you were finally assigned, you had very specific criteria for how to select. What what were the options that you had for Peace Corps and how did you decide what country you ultimately went to serve in? My process um, is very different than the type of process they have today. Um, Back then, they basically just told you where you were going or gave you maybe a couple of options. And I really wanted to focus on environmental sustainability at that point. Yeah. And, and for context, this is late nineties. Yeah. I, I went in in 97. And so the choices they gave me were Haiti, Benin, Estonia, Romania, and Slovakia. And Slovakia was the only country in which the job opportunity was focused on environmental sustainability. And so while I had my entire life wanted to work in Africa, I took African studies in in college. I studied French to give me an edge in that way. I did all of my papers on Namibia when I was in grad school at Rutgers. And then I ended up in Slovakia and had to learn Slovak, which is a completely different language group than French or Italian or Spanish. But it was, even though it wasn't what I expected, it was what I needed. And it was one of the most rewarding experiences I've ever had uh, because my my experience was utterly unique. I got published five times while I was a Peace Corps volunteer. I got to work on the world stage with an integrated river basin management project for the Danube River that my current colleagues even tell me they studied as best practice in their studies in college. So the report I wrote with my colleagues in partnership with these ministers of environment and uh, from seven different countries Colleagues of mine have told me that they use that as uh, best practice for river basin management. You went on to work for more than five years. Uh, you extended in Peace Corps. You worked in in Europe before you came back to the mm-hmm. United States. At what point did your research lead you into a discovery that clean energy in in some capacity might be in your future? Yeah, so I, I ended up in Peace Corps for three and a half years because I was also working on Slovakia's EU accession which was super exciting. 
And then a colleague of mine in Slovakia told me about this incredible graduate program in the Netherlands at Freie Universiteit, which is a master's in environmental management. And so when I went to the Netherlands to study for that program, I had an opportunity to do an international trip with a group uh, for our group thesis paper. And I went to Russia. We were studying the carbon flows between Eastern and Western Europe. And part of the group went to Sweden and Finland. And then the other part of the group went to Russia to look at the potential for biofuel production in rural communities to create their own sustainable, locally sourced electricity, possibly. And then also the possibility of creating an export of these biofuels to help these communities so that they could flourish, so that they could be empowered, and so that they could be more economically stable. And when I saw that, I saw that the transition to clean energy can be used as a lever for economic empowerment to help marginalized communities, to help rural communities, to help women gain more power in their community. And really, it's it's critical um, for any community to flourish. And so that's when everything clicked for me, that the time and energy I spend working on this clean energy transition, the return on that time and energy investment is multiplied because the impacts are geometric, as I mentioned previously. Yeah. I want to ask you more about the concept of geometric impact. How it came to my head is I was thinking about Thomas Malthus and his theory about how food production grows arithmetically and that um, population grows geometrically and that war, famine, and disease are the only things that mitigate us from, you know, eating ourselves out of existence. (laughs) And so I was trying to apply that kind of math to impact and thinking about how, how can we create geometric impact and how does the clean energy transition cross sectors so that it's transportation, it's public health, it's energy security, which equals national security. It is all of these different sectors. And in some places, it even goes into education and, you know, all kinds of food security. So if you look at that and the ripple effect of how getting access to clean energy creates all of these incredible benefits that just um, fracture out and create so much good. It's absolutely what draws me to this space because I want to maximize the amount of greater good I bring to the world uh, with every moment that I, I work. Tenley, I think I have a final question for you uh, related to kind of how you just summarized the concept of geometric impact and the lifelong mission that you sought uh, when you decided at five years old that you wanted to be in the Peace Corps? Uh, And the question is, are you fulfilling your mission? I feel like I am. I feel like I'm working towards it every day, looking at the entrepreneurs that the Cal Testbed program is helping accelerate towards commercialization. I feel like all of the ripple effect of good that those companies bring, the jobs that they create, the environmental benefits that they're creating with their innovations. I feel like I am 
really uh, working towards my mission. And I'd love to see it expand. I'd love to see it be a global impact. It's incredible. As I travel through this clean energy space, I was at a Wells Fargo event and there were several people there that are working in their sustainability program. And there were Peace Corps volunteers there as well. And it seems like everywhere I go in this space, it comes to light that somebody served in the Peace Corps. And it's really nice to see that that third goal of Peace Corps is alive, you know, really, you know, bringing back your your spirit, your passion for creating good in the world. And it's nice to see that all over the clean energy space. You know, it's, it's so true. I am always just uh, so amazed when uh, I get a chance to meet more RPCVs in uh, in the industry. And um, once you find someone who is a uh, an RPCV and they and they have it on their resume or, or what have you, it comes up in conversation. You kind of look at the trail of evidence, and it's and it, in most cases, it's apparent. Kind of the the underlying philosophy of Peace Corps exists as a thread through their careers. Uh, I've been trying for years with Kristen Kirsch and um, Tom Cheney to put together a, uh, a RPCV uh, meetup because, you know, we have this group, actually, it's like Yaron, Yaron Glazer, Ryan Hamilton, Rob Styler, like Rob Linker, PJ Wilson. I'm thinking of people that are in, that are RPCVs, Mike Silvestrini, Kelly Desi. I mean, there's so many people, Justin Locke at RMI that are doing phenomenal things right now in the industry as you are, Tinley. And uh, I just, I wish that there were a way for us to connect more of what we're doing in the real world right now back to the work that the Peace Corps is doing. Given the, the experience that you have more at a governmental level, have you seen that the Peace Corps is actively trying to sort of recruit the knowledge base of return Peace Corps volunteers to give back, to sort of instill in the current Peace Corps volunteer opportunities, the idea of local clean energy and, uh, and ex- expanding the knowledge base and training and, and the local ownership of these assets, the way that we do through New Energy Nexus, the way that we do through many of our businesses? Well, that's something that I would really like to dig into a little bit more. I know that the Peace Corps has changed their recruiting strategy and it's more like you're applying for a specific job in a specific country now. It's less of a black box that you're stepping into and that you kind of make it up as you go along or discover your journey as you go along. Um, Now there are specific jobs and I believe that those jobs are built and designed in process in in collaboration with the countries that invite the Peace Corps to work in their countries. I would love to see a specific focused clean energy access kind of thread through Peace Corps service and creating opportunities for rural communities and remote communities to gain access to distributed energy so that it would really improve communities' lives exponentially um, and be able to create cottage industries. And it will free up time for women and girls who are, you know, collecting firewood and gathering water. If you have solar water pumps and those kinds of things, it also, you know, cleans up the cook stoves and things like that so that people aren't breathing fumes in their homes. It would really create some substantial impact And I would love to see local workforce development around that and local asset ownership. 
because that's really what builds wealth in a community and creates, gives everybody an opportunity to rise and thrive. It's so true. You know, what we can do here is coming up in September is the, as I've mentioned before, the RE plus annual gathering of the solar tribe in Anaheim this year. I am going to reach out to Tom Cheney and Kristen and Adrian Pierce and some others that we created a group called RPCVs and Renewables and uh, would invite listeners. If you were an RPCV, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'd connect you in with that group. Perhaps in the show notes, by the time we publish this episode, I will have created a landing page for you to go to. So you can check uh, mysuncast.com and and go to the show notes for this episode where you can self-proclaim that you're an RPCV that would like to be involved in whatever we try to create, I'd love to see that we could put our heads together and reach back out to uh, Peace Corps Washington with ideas for how we can incorporate the uh, the diaspora of uh, of RPCVs that are there's so many of us working in clean energy. It doesn't make sense that that we're not giving back to uh, current Peace Corps in the ways that our businesses are creating that sort of workforce development and that thought thought leadership and sort of completing the cycle and completing the circle. Tenley, I want to thank you for everything that you have so intentionally created in your career through Cal Testbed and all that came before it uh, for the contribution in the justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion efforts at uh, American Made Prizes. And I just want to uh, encourage you that uh, we see you working so hard on behalf of the clean energy entrepreneurs out there bringing hard tech to the market. Thank you for that incredible work. If folks want to find out more about you and connect with you, I presume LinkedIn is a good way to do that. LinkedIn and Twitter. My Twitter handle is at 10LY. So it's very short at Tenley. And then also, you know, the New Energy Nexus uh, accounts for LinkedIn and Twitter. And there's also a New Energy Network, which is a group of more, almost 5,000 folks globally. Uh, It's on our Slack channel and it's a huge network of clean energy innovators, funders, advocates, and it's a really great way to connect globally and see what opportunities exist internationally. I will attest as a final episode full of resources here that the New Energy Nexus uh, Slack group is an unparalleled Slack group of givers. Um, I mean, it really is. And you guys do a great job of managing that community. Uh, Hats off to you and the team over there who just have gathered and aggregated so much value. It's often uh, overwhelming, which is one of the things I think is the most beneficial is that you have folks that actually summarize and make it less overwhelming in a world of Slack groups that are hard to follow. Uh, they make it easier. So we'll link to all of those resources. And if for some reason we haven't and uh, and you can't find them, feel free to reach out to me directly or to Tenley at 10LY on Twitter uh, or on LinkedIn and all the uh, the New Energy Nexus uh, socials, which we will link to. Tenley, thank you so much for the work that you do. And thanks for joining us here on Suncast. Thank you, Nico. I appreciate the opportunity. All right, Solar Warrior. Well, we are wrapping today's episode that was chock chock full of amazing insights if you are a hopeful or an existing startup founder or even employee who is looking for ways to make an impact and and bring your product to life you've now got more resources than you had before and ways 
to apply. As a reminder, we've got Cal Testbed. Uh, the application has 10 days more left in it, uh, depending on what day you're listening, August 19th, 2022. And uh, Made in America Solar Prize is October 6th deadline. So a little more time there. You can prepare and start thinking about and looking into that, thinking about what kind of companies have done well in the past and how you could uh, model their success. If you enjoyed this conversation, you know, Tenley and I would love to hear about it. Would you please take the time again out of your busy day, which we're so grateful that you've already done and go over to LinkedIn or Twitter and say thank you to Tenley. Uh, I will have posted about this episode here on uh, LinkedIn. You can find that post and leave us a, a like and a comment and let us know what was the, the most indelible value that you got out of the interview. How can we bring you more insights just like these? If you're eager to keep learning, as I'm sure you are, then you, my fellow Philomath, can find the resources and highlights from this discussion and all of our other discussions on Suncast, along with the social media links to Tenley and New Energy Nexus, the book recommendations that we so often give in our other interviews, and all of the ways that you can apply to these wonderful programs at the blog at mysuncast.com. Click on the Episodes tab. And since I know you are looking at ways that you can grow and give, I'd love if you would give the gift of other people finding the show by simply leaving us a rating and review. It's one of the quickest, easiest ways that you can help us grow as a platform. We would love your enthusiastic five-star rating and review in whatever platform you're on. Most of you are listening on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. So it's fairly easy to do that. You can go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash suncast. Ratethispodcast.com forward slash suncast takes less than two minutes. And it's super simple, at least on those two platforms, to leave us a rating and review. And it helps other people find this content that has been so valuable to thousands of solar warriors on the path. Hope you'll stick around for our deep, long conversations that we bring you on Thursday's executive profiles of industry leaders on the front lines of the clean energy revolution. Thanks, lastly, to our sponsors who help make this content free to you each and every week. You can learn more about them at mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor. And that's also how you can learn ways you can partner with us to reach thousands of solar warriors and clean tech champions twice a week, just like they are. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks for showing up, solar warrior. It's half the battle. Mm-hmm.